0: Welcome to the Opawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. It's Christmas. You can feel it now, right? Who's got all their Christmas shopping done yet? There's a couple of tentative hands going up. The rest of them are looking at me going, "Uh, What? Christmas shopping? Yeah, I haven't even started, so I can't go there. Um... Last week we started on, uh, uh, we talked about uh, the historical context of Judea, what Israel was like uh, prior to the birth of Jesus. Um, There we can see uh, a map of Judea. Um, You've got Israel down the bottom with Samaria and Galilee up north. Um, The actual country of Israel, of Judea, sorry, is that southern part. Um, it mimics the Southern Kingdom. For those of you who know your history about Israel, it was split into you had the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom, and those in the south didn't look very favourably to those in the north, which seems to be typical in most countries, isn't it? There's this whole North-South thing going in, in most countries. Um, we've got it here in New Zealand. We've got it in Australia because we've got that part of the country that's called Queensland, and they're just uh, anyway. Well, God puts them into to humble us, don't they? Um, in Italy, you've got that north-south going. In England, you've got north-south going. It's interesting, but in Israel, you had this north-south thing going. So the people up in Galilee weren't actually part of Judea. Uh, they were part of a place called Perea. And even though there were a lot of Jews living in the area, uh, they were considered those northerners. They weren't close to Jerusalem, and between them there was Samaria. But when we talked about the history of it, we found there were several things. Um, First of all, power corrupted those that conquered. Israel was conquered by a number of nations, uh, Assyria, Babylon. Then we talked about Alexander the Great coming through. Uh, And then we talked about uh, the, the Seleucids and Antiochus, and then the Ptolemies in Egypt. All these people would come in, and they would conquer, and they'd divide. But it was all about power, and it corrupted them. But then power also corrupted those that ruled. Uh, There's a point in history where the Maccabees, they they fight against the Seleucids, and, and all of a sudden Judea is its own country again. And the Jews are like, yeah, we've got our country back. It's just us that are ruling. So what do they do? They start fighting each other. Right? So power corrupts even those that, that are ruling. And then power is a driving force leading up to the birth of Jesus. We talked about Herod, the great, um, who took power. Uh, he was from Idumea in the southern part of Israel. And who were they? The Idumeans. They were the Edomites. Uh, that is the, the offspring of Esau, who was the brother of Jacob. Jacob, who was known as Israel, with his 12 sons, And the 12 tribes. So there was a power driving driving them there. And in the midst of all that, Jesus chose to come with no power. Which is totally in contrast to everything that was leading up to that moment. You had the Romans coming through, so you had Rome, the center of what it was. Athens, the center of the Greek population. You had Babylon, you know, the center of Babylonia. You had you know, Cairo, which was actually Alexandria, which was the center of the Egyptian culture. And, and here you come, and Jesus doesn't even choose Jerusalem. He doesn't even choose the second largest city, or the third largest city, or the fourth. He chooses a little town called Bethlehem. And he came with absolutely no power at all. So what we read and what we learnt last week was a simple fact. That when we come into Christmas, this has to stick with us. More love, less power. You with me? If you need more information, just grab last week's sermon. That was, that was long enough. I don't want to do that again. But, um, so today we're going to talk about Egypt. Um, what, does, what role does Egypt play in the lead-up and the time of Christmas. It's interesting because Egypt, uh, we hear about it a lot in the Bible. In fact, it's mentioned 614 times in the Bible. One of the most uh, quoted nations in the Bible itself. In the Old Testament, all those books quote Egypt. There's quite a few of them, right? In the New Testament, you've got five books that refer to Egypt. So where did Egypt originate from. If you go to Genesis chapter 10 verse 6 it says this, the descendants of Ham, Ham was the son of Noah. So Noah, how many sons did he have? Three sons had Noah. One of them was Ham. Ham was the father of these four nations, Cush, Mizraim, Put and Canaan. Now for those of us who know our history we know what Canaan is, right? That's modern day Israel today. The Canaanites that lived in that region, they were the descendants of Ham. Put is, a, um, is basically northern Africa. They say it's, it's Libya, but it can extend as far as Morocco. So Put, um, you know, Ham was the, son, or the father of, of the nations that spread out into northern Africa. Cush, on the other hand, is the area known as Ethiopia. Does anyone know who's a famous Cushite in the Bible? No, nope. Oh, well, I guess she was, but the Queen of Sheba, he said. Well, yes, but there's actually someone more famous than that. No. Moses' wife, Zipporah, was a Cushite. Bet you didn't know that, huh? Yeah. Moses' wife, Zipporah, was a Cushite. And Cush, again, is that region of Ethiopia. And that, that, that word there, Mizraim, that's actually Egypt. So that region of the upper upper Nile area was known as Mizraim, and over the centuries developed into the name of Egypt. So Egypt has a long history in the Bible, and really the first time we encounter it after Genesis chapter 10, we encounter it with Abraham. Abraham, you know, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, takes his wife to Egypt. Why? Why? Because there's a famine in the land. Now, you're going to get this kind of recurring theme happening with a lot of people in the Bible. When there's a famine in the land, where do they go? They seem to go to Egypt all the time. So he heads down to Egypt and tries to palm his wife off as his sister, which doesn't go too well for him, right? I don't know about you ladies, but if your husband tries to palm you off as his sister, how would you feel? Yeah, you'd, 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 you'd tell him right, huh? You'd set him straight, huh? Well, poor old Abraham, I think he does it twice, actually. But there's another instance where Egypt plays a role in Abraham's life, and that's Hagar. Did you know Hagar was an Egyptian uh, midwife? She ended up uh, working for Sarah. And guess what? Abraham and Sarah. Concord. They, they get this promise from God saying hey your offspring are going to be so, there's going to be so many of them but these guys are in their 90s and they're thinking there is no way and Sarah's like look at me how am I going to have a kid here take Hagar take my Egyptian uh, slave here and, and, and use her she's young so it's almost like let's run to Egypt again and poor old Ishmael's born out of it but God's like why did you do that I didn't tell you to do that And Ishmael is the son of what nation? Or what peoples do we know today? Do you guys know? The Arabs, the the Bedouins. Of course, that's a bit of a thorn in the side for the Israelis, isn't it? All stem from anticipating God, fleeing to Egypt, in a sense. Joseph himself, we've read about Joseph. He ends up in Egypt, sold into slavery. And then his father, Jacob, whose name is Israel Along with his brothers Where do they flee when there's a famine? Where do they go to? Egypt In the Exodus Ramesses the Great Or Ramesses the Second Depending on what uh, historical, archaeological books you might read uh, Ramesses was the, uh, the Pharaoh at the time uh, After many years after Joseph had died The Israelites decided to stay in Egypt Why? It's a fertile land. It's rich. And so they stayed in the land where they most probably shouldn't have stayed, and ended up becoming slaves. And the whole book of Exodus talks about how, they, uh, how God redeems them, gets them out of Egypt. And this is a few things that God says uh, regarding Eve. In, in Judges chapter 6, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am your Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in the land you now live, but you have not listened to me. There's that reference back to Egypt. You ran away, you escaped to Egypt But I rescued you from that There's another one, and this one's even more important Later Samuel, Samuel who was the, uh, the prophet of the Lord Called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel has declared Again, I brought you out of Egypt Rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you Sounds familiar? But you, though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, No, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. In fact, Israel gets to a point in their history where they want a king, and that king's name is Solomon. And all of a sudden now, Solomon, who starts off so well leading the people in, in the power and the fear of the Lord, He ends up turning around, he marries Pharaoh's daughter, makes a treaty with Egypt, and then uses politics to trump God's will. In fact, it becomes a little bit of a problem in Solomon's reign, because towards the end of his reign, people start to rebel. One of them in particular... Jeroboam (laughs) I can't get that name right, never Anyway, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam But he fled to who? To King Shishak of Egypt And stayed there until Solomon died Guess who Jeroboam was? Who was he to become? Anyone know? He's going to become king King of the northern kingdom After Israel splits in two Where did he run to? Egypt. Are you getting a bit of a a sense of, this thing's happening here with Egypt. It seems to be a place where people like to run to. And so Solomon, who himself made a pact with Egypt, married the daughter of Pharaoh, now finds himself with his kingdom falling apart. In fact, the moment he dies, the kingdom cannot stay together. They split in two. And Jeroboam comes back as king of the northern kingdom. Isaiah says this What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You made plans that are contrary to mine. Hearing Solomon in this? You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And he goes on. This is actually in response to Hezekiah, who finds that the Assyrians are going to come down and attack him. They've already taken away the northern kingdom. And he's coming down. And so Hezekiah thinks, Guess what we do when we're in trouble? Where do we go? Where do we go? Egypt! And Hezekiah's like, Egypt will save us. And God's like, whoa, hang on a second. You're falling into the same sins as your forefathers. You're doing the same thing over and over again. Go back to Egypt. Are you with me on this? Uh, have we understood now, in some sense, as we lead up to Christmas, what role Egypt plays for Israel? Right? Now we come to Joseph and Mary. And here are two young people, young, 13, 14 at the most, who have been entrusted with an incredible, incredible task. How would you feel if you were 13 year old and you were told that you were about to give birth to the Savior? How would you feel? Uh, just a little bit overwhelmed. I'll give you a bit of a timeline here. They they it wouldn't have been uh, Christmas as we know in uh, in 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 December. We're most probably looking at around April, um, anywhere between most probably end of February through to end of April, beginning of May, when Jesus would have been born. Okay, so it wouldn't have been December time. We just use that as a traditional point in our calendar because we follow the Gregorian calendar, which is a little bit different to the Jewish calendar. So we've chosen that day. But, so the birth of Jesus would have happened around about that time. The circumcision of Jesus would have happened on the eighth day. Um, yeah, that would have been painful. Uh, but luckily at eight days of age, hopefully they forget it very quickly. Um, coming of the Magi, the, the, uh, the kings from, from the east would have happened anywhere between the 8th day and the 40th day after birth. In Italy, we celebrate that as January 6th. Um, That's the epiphany. And uh, you get Christmas presents on Christmas Day, and you get lollies on January 6th, unless you've been a bad kid, and then you get charcoal. But because the Italians aren't that bad to their children, they've shaped these lollies out of like rock sugar things that are black that are actually really, really nice, and most kids want that. Um, but that's what you get on January 6th in Italy. That's the, the gifts from the, uh, the three wise men. Uh, so it's all big bags of lollies that go out at that time. Um, so that would have been between the 8th and the 40th day. Uh, Jesus would have had to be been presented on the 40th day, presentation by uh, Jewish customs and standards. One thing we forget... Okay, I'm kind of flipping about here But one thing we forget is that Jesus was a Jew Are you with me? He would have followed Jewish customs um, uh, Being a Jew, his parents would have followed strictly The rules of his culture and of his people um, I've had interesting discussions, especially in the States Where, you know, some people say, Jesus never drank alcohol uh, he wouldn't have been a good Jew then uh, and In fact, if he was a rabbi, he most probably would have drunk it Because of Passover, every year It was part of the culture. Um, Nazarites, those who decide not to drink alcohol, kind of like John the Baptist, his cousin. But Jesus wasn't a Nazarite. He was from Nazareth, which is different. Anyway, so they would have had to present the baby at the 40th day. Now, things have changed over time because the the temple wasn't the central place anymore. The synagogue was. So they would have presented him at the synagogue. Um, most probably the local one in Bethlehem because he wouldn't have left Bethlehem. Women weren't allowed to travel after birth. They had to stay in their place, I think, for one calendar month, I think was the custom. So up until that 40th day. So she would have been stuck in that uh, awful place. Uh, and we'll talk about where she was born and how she was born a little bit later on. Um, where Jesus was born and how he was born. But he would, he would have had to stay there till the 40th day and then present the baby to the rabbi at the synagogue and have him blessed formally. And then guess where they went. Where did they go? Why? King Herod had found out. Now King Herod was a bit of a megalomaniac. He was really he had a big ego. And he caught the wise men as they were coming in And he said to them, where are you going? Oh, the king of the Jews has been born The saviour of the world is here We're following his star We're going to go honour him and give him presents and stuff And Herod's like, whoa, hang on a second Someone's going to, you know, bump me off here I better go deal with this kid And make sure that he doesn't grow up to be some sort of Messiah figure I've got enough of those running around So he decides to do something that sounds really horrid He decides to kill a whole lot of babies in Bethlehem. See, because what happened was, he asked the wise men, come back to me and tell me where this kid is so I can go honour him as well. But they never went back to him. So now he has to guess who this kid is. Now, historically, traditionally, we have thought that it was every kid under the age of two, right? Actually, the Bible, uh, Jewish custom, and even in the Greek, means not when they were two and under, but by the time they hit their second year. So the children would have been aged anywhere from about 12 to 13 months and less. On top of that, you're talking about Bethlehem that would have had an average population of about two to 3,000 people. You're only talking about maybe a dozen at the most children. So it wasn't this mass slaughter that some people imagine it being. Not that it makes it any less horrid, but that's what would have happened. There would have been about 6 to 12 children that would have died Thanks to Herod's command, has he sent his troops in to find anyone under the age of 12 to 13 months. So God comes to, an angel comes to Joseph and says, flee. Where do you flee to? As a Jew, where do you go? You go to Egypt. You flee to Egypt. Their time in Egypt would have been anywhere between one to three years We can only assume because there's an approximate date of when Herod the Great died and God told him, hey, Herod's dead, you can go back. And that would have been anywhere between one to three years in Egypt. A place of refuge. A place of escape. A place where, when we're in trouble, where do we go? We go to Egypt. Abraham. When there was a famine, not once but twice, ran to Egypt. Jacob, the famine in his land, this is the grandson of Abraham, he does the same thing. He runs to Egypt. In fact, the whole nation of Israel ends up growing up, not in the promised land, not in the land that God had told Abraham, that that's where his nation will be. They grew up in Egypt. Why? Because it was easier there. It was nicer there. There was a lot more food, and, and you know, the Nile River provided so much that the whole basin there was fertile, and they got comfortable there. place of refuge. Solomon. Solomon made political pacts with Egypt. Jeroboam, when he was in trouble, when he was chased by Solomon runs to the safety of Egypt remember last week I talked to you about Antipater he was the father of King Herod and he was the one that got the Romans to come into the Jerusalem to sort out this civil war that was going on amongst the Jews and once that was all done and dusted and Judea becomes a province of Rome he realizes that the only one that could protect them from Rome is Egypt So he makes a pact with Mark Antony and Cleopatra and it costs him his life. Again, running to Egypt. And then Jesus, his parents, Herod, wants to kill Jesus and they flee to a place of refuge, that place again being Egypt. There's some things I want to share with you this morning, very quickly. Because I've given you quite a lot of information But let's make this personal now Don't rely on the place of refuge Don't rely on the place of refuge You know, sometimes we feel that in life we get so caught up with things That we have a place of refuge and we run to it But then we become reliant on that refuge Therefore, since we've been surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. There is a time and a place to find refuge. But that refuge should be just a pause button in your life. It shouldn't stop... The run that you've been put into. Amanda's talking about races. Five kilometre runs. A refuge is like the water station, right? Anyone done a good long run? No, don't look at me. because The only time I've run is when someone was chasing me. Believe me. Um, but you, know, you see them on TV. They're all running and they're all sweating. And then they get to that, that table with all the drinks. And they're like, oh yeah, give me that. Whatever it is I'm going to take. That's the place of refuge. And you're running, you're overwhelmed, you're tired, you're stressed. You're not sure if you're going to make it all the way. This station's going to help you. It's going to help you to relax. It's going to help you to fill you with nutrients. In our life, it helps us to stop. It helps us to reflect. It gets us out of what we perceive as danger. It's a pause button. But we cannot rely on it. That's what happened with Israel. They went down there, they found the safety of it. They loved it so much that the place of refuge became the place of promise. But that wasn't the promise God had given them. Joseph could have stayed and and raised Jesus in Egypt. There's all sorts of things going on in Israel at the time, in Judea at the time. Herod was crazy and his sons were no better. Could have stayed in the place of refuge, but no. He stayed there as long as he needed to. And the moment the way was clear, he went straight back. And we'll talk about Nazareth next week, which is a really interesting place. Don't rely on the place of refuge. Short-term easy can turn into long-term problems. Short-term easy can turn into long-term problems. The place of refuge sometimes for us, if we stay there too long, just because it feels good, After a long period of time, becomes very problematic, and frankly, you're not dealing with the problems. Uh, This year, uh, you know, one of those years. I've just been saying that every year, haven't I, since I've been here? It's been one of those years every year. Um, But about August time, I was feeling pretty tired, pretty stressed. Wanted to get away from it. Wanted to get energised. So I went home to Australia and spent three weeks there, and I came back, realising. That it was escapism That I didn't really feel all that rested And I just came back to the same old Nothing's changed It wasn't until I went for a week up to Auckland To do my Arrow Leadership Program That I actually started to feel Refreshed Renewed And ready to face the next step Why? Because short term easy Just running away from it Doesn't actually fix the problem Makes you feel good for that time But you still come back to it Israel They had to deal with an immediate problem. There was no food in the land. There was no rain. They had a drought. So the short-term easy was to go to Egypt. But I can tell you one thing. The drought didn't last as long as they stayed in Egypt. They stayed in Egypt for generations, long after Joseph had died. But the drought in, in, in the Promised Land didn't last that long. The short-term easy became a long-term problem because they didn't go back to where they were called to be. This is an interesting... I'm not sure if this verse actually applies, but I was thinking of it as I was thinking about short-term easy, long-term problems uh, about Adam. When the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man... Hey, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Was he really afraid because he was naked? Or was he afraid because he did something he shouldn't have done? I'll give God the nakedness response, short-term easy. But actually, I'm avoiding the long-term. I actually ate the fruit. And God goes on to say, how do you know you were naked? Oh, well, it was because I ate the fruit. Short-term easy. Doesn't help. And only creates sometimes long-term problems. Now, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that you need to face up to what you've got. There are times in which we need to get away. There are times when we do need to go to Egypt. Israel had to leave the Promised Land because there was no food there. They had to get away. Now, for some of you, I don't know what your Egypt is. I don't know if you're in Egypt right now. But for some of you, you're running to Egypt a little too often. And maybe you've set up house and shop in Egypt when God's called you to the promised land. Last thing, go where God leads, even if it sounds ludicrous. I mean, seriously, I'm in the United States, Washington, D.C., Okay, you know what? Free shipping from Amazon. So anytime I buy a book, it's free. I get free shipping sent to me. Um, In America, I've got everything. As a pastor in America, I've got everything. Every conference imaginable that you can think of. All the best theologians in the world. Uh, Access to everything. And God moves me here? Where it costs an average $20 to get a book from Amazon to come here? And... Like the theologians seem to bypass Christchurch every time. They go to Auckland, even if that. It's like all oh, those famous musicians who come to play concerts in New Zealand. They don't know that there's actually another part of New Zealand. And they stop in Auckland and then they go. It's like, Lord, it's ludicrous. Why have you sent me here? You know, sometimes God puts us in a place, and it might sound crazy, It might be really outside of the box. But trust Him. Trust Him with it. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Don't worry, is basically what that's saying. Don't worry. I am your God. I have your back. Trust me. Trust me. And this is the danger for us. The danger for us is simple. Where is our Egypt? Egypt. And where do we feel we're comfortable? Where do we run to when there's a famine in the land? When we're overwhelmed by problems in our lives? Where do we run to? Has that place become your home? Has that taken you away from where God's called you to be? There's a challenge in there for you. What is your Egypt? the Israelites, it was their place of refuge. That's where they ran to. They ran to Egypt. But there is one man in the Bible who never went to Egypt. One man who was called a man after God's own heart. And he never went to Egypt. You know who that man is? David. That's not to say that sometimes we don't need to sojourn in, in, in Egypt. Maybe sometimes we do. But the challenge for us is, can we trust the Lord, our God, to have our backs? Joseph did. And even though he had to go to Egypt, he knew that his time there was short and that was not where he was going to raise his son. Regardless of the problems that were happening back home. And for Joseph, they were not easy problems. There were family problems that he was faced with. There were political issues that he was faced with. And if we think about it ourselves as parents, with our kids, do we want to raise our kids in this environment? Not really. We would rather go somewhere safe. Our Egypt. So where is your Egypt this morning? Where is your Egypt? And are you dwelling there maybe just a little too long? I ask our worship team to come up. As they come up, let's pray. Father God, as we come up to Christmas, there's this uh, sense of renewal. There's a sense of peace and rest coming. Summer just gives us that feel, Lord, that holidays are here. Summer gives us that feel that uh, the year has ended. We're looking forward to the new year. But for some of us, Lord, we've been in Egypt too long. And for some of us, that Egypt has become not just a place of rest now, it's become our home. And you haven't called us there, Lord. You haven't called us there at all. The place of refuge has become our home. So help us, Lord. Help help those of us who are struggling with that. Help them to go to the place where you've called them to be. Give them the strength. Guide them, Lord. And unlike Adam, maybe find excuses, short-term solutions that only cause more problems in the long run. Help us to trust you, Lord, with our lives. And Father, we pray for assurance. Pray for your spirit to give us your assurance, Lord, that you are with us. Because it's not easy to leave Egypt. It's not easy not to just continually run there either. As we see how that works in the, in the life of your own son. We see that in the life of David. May our dependency not be on Egypt, but on you, Lord. May our dependency be on where you guide us, Father. Not where we run to. Thank you, Father, for who you are. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.